0: Hey, everybody! Is that what I'm supposed to say? That's right, right? Yeah. Say something different since this isn't like an official show. I,
1: I think we've said that on our unofficial shows as well. It's just
0: us being reactionary.
1: Yeah, well, that's what Off the Crossbar is about.
0: That's what media is about. We're the Fox News of
1: soccer.
0: I regret saying that immediately.
1: Yeah, we're gonna turn into a pro railcast or something if you say that.
0: Yeah, we need we need to have Ted on sometime.
1: Yeah, that's okay.
0: That'd be a really great idea. Him and Trevor are like uh, Twitter friends, so that sounds about right. uh, Anyways, welcome to the show that's not a show. It's sort Uh, of a show. I'm Jason, and Matt's here, and hey. This might be awkward because we're not actually in the same place. We're Skype podcasting.
1: Skype casting. I think it's, it's a it's a whole new thing.
0: Yeah, it's uh oh my god. Uh, sorry, someone just retweeted some awful pictures on Twitter.
1: Yeah, sounds about right.
0: Um. Anyways, yeah. So today was eventful in the soccer world. Yeah, well, more specifically, the
1: American soccer world, which is its whole own world really. Yeah. yeah it's kind uh, of the 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 appeal of it.
0: I literally at work didn't get anything done for like the last 2 hours and I'm still feeling the consequences of that because I couldn't stop reading about Don Garber's meltdown.
1: Yeah, that was uh in, in terms of like things for commission you know, sports league commissioners to say though, it was uh it was pretty tame.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, if you consider he's, like he's no Goodell. in your reference for a sports league commissioner, then I guess it was pretty tame. Yeah. But I mean, it was just so out of left field and so uncalled for. Like I guess not uncalled for, but yeah, I'm going to say uncalled for, actually.
1: Do you should we talk about what he said first before we talk about whether we agree or disagree? Um
0: yeah, that's probably a good idea for anyone that for anyone that doesn't know. Do you want to give it like a basic rundown? You probably know it more than I do.
1: I mean it, it was kind of for me it was your run of the mill like uh you know the national team is not, doesn't have the interests of the domestic league at heart and you know uh it's not a fight we haven't seen before obviously in America but internationally I mean you see it in England just kind of reversed where a lot of the talk is about how the domestic league doesn't have the interests of the national team at heart. Uh, so so it's kind of a reversal of those roles. Uh, Garber basically uh, called a press conference to react to Klinsman's comments. Yeah. Uh, and Klinsman didn't say anything too controversial, just that uh, Michael Bradley and Clint Dempsey uh, both stepped down uh rather than you know, sideways or up when they when they came to MLS.
0: Uh and he's probably he, I mean he's probably not wrong in that regard. Even if MLS people don't want to hear that.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, like, realistically, even Don Garber understands. Uh as much as he called this press conference and griped about it, I think he understands that that Roma and Fulham uh, sorry, Tottenham, uh are probably both better clubs than uh, all of MLS, like not combined, but but as far as MLS clubs, uh, the level of competition is higher, uh, the level of play is generally higher. I uh,
0: mean, the the training is probably better. I would probably say you I know? would
1: I would imagine so. If just because you're you're training with better players week in week out,
0: uh, and debatably better coaches. I mean, no offense to the
1: coaches, by any means, but... Yeah, well, yeah, and, and uh, you know, in Toronto and in uh, in Seattle, like, they're not renowned for having, like, the best coaching staff, right? Uh, like, Siggy clearly hasn't played the game. Uh, yeah. At least in a very, very long time. Uh, I
0: don't know. I mean, Siggy's probably one of the more renowned
1: American coaches. Oh, absolutely. He's not the one ra- running training every day, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, true. You know, and, and I think the point may stand across all of MLS, generally speaking. Train, uh, you know, training staffs have been lower quality. Yeah, you know, but it have have definitely improved over time as better players have joined coaching staffs, and and as the the level of play increases, it's just a natural consequence.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Uh, so, so I guess I, I see his point. Um, but for me, it comes down to, you know, Clint Dempsey and Michael Bradley both were, you know, they had problems sometimes cracking the 18. Right. Right. Uh, so, so clearly they're with groups of much better players, uh, and, and learning from them and training under them is important, uh, but at the same time, there's there's definitely an argument to be made for being the big fish in the little pond, even if the pond is, you know, we could we could argue essentially about the size of the pond. Uh, True. But, but it's clear that they're the bigger fish here, right?
0: Yeah, and and I think that the thing that upset Garber was Klinsman's insinuation that it was a financial move. Yeah. But like, you can't look at those moves and not consider that as a motivating factor
1: oh yeah they wouldn't have gone to to anywhere really if the offer had been bad right and no one can blame them for that they have a 15 year career maybe uh and they're definitely they're they're in the latter half of that uh and need to keep those you know those uh those ideas at heart because they you know play into their future
0: well and even I mean just the other day I I follow a lot of Syria guys on Twitter. i I regret to inform you and admit to that publicly.
1: But I won't there, tell Trevor if you don't. Okay.
0: Just as an example, I don't know if you if I retweeted this or you read it, there are only two players in all of Syria that make more money a year than Michael Bradley
1: will make this year. And that's that's insane. Th- does that include the money they get for match fixing? I'm not sure.
0: I said players, not
1: referees. Oh, oh, oh.
0: But, but that's crazy. I mean, I know Serie A is not the league that it was, you know, 15 years ago. But yeah. But it's, it's still a major European league, a top four European league. And so you, you can't say that Michael Bradley wasn't like, oh, yeah, this money's going to be nice when he considered the move.
1: Yeah. And that number's a little surprising. I'd, I'd wonder about the source a little bit. I, oh, I, I'd it, love it, to see data. I,
0: yeah, I'll I'll see if I can get it and send it to you. But the only two were uh, uh, De Rossi and Higuain were the only two players that make more money than Michael Bradley will make this year.
1: That's ah, interesting. I think you probably see that a little bit with with players leaving Italy, like uh, foreign players. Clearly, not a lot of Italians leaving Italy. Uh, Right it, It's a league well stocked with Italians and like say the English Premier League, which is not necessarily a league well stocked with Englishmen
0: right, and what what kind of surprised me was like the first name that popped up for me was Ashley Cole. I figured that he got a huge paycheck to go to Roma, but apparently not
1: yeah that's that's uh that's interesting. Oh, Michael Bradley is clearly one of the best play- paid players here.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I think he actually makes the the most money here if I'm not mistaken
1: yeah I don't know if you'd count kakar or uh
0: uh not yet
1: or or Lampard under that, but yeah Lampard,
0: but anyways, back to Garber, so I think that the problem I had wasn't with with what he said so much as him like just p- going public and just blasting the coach, the yeah. man. Or the national team, because you, and I know, you know, people hate to compare MLS to other countries, but you would never see something like that in other countries.
1: I I think part of that is you don't see like any, like anybody in that same sort of role that we see Garber in. You'll see coaches and managers all the time from, from nation or from clubs, rather, uh, take umbrage with with what national team coaches have said uh, and call press conferences to address things like that. Uh, but Garber's in, I think, a unique position because... It's part of the
0: Yeah, it's part of the business model.
1: Yeah, it's it's a little inevitable like that. It's very American.
0: And in Garber's defense, I mean, he is paid to represent the voice of the owners. And I'm sure the owners weren't happy, the owners of MLS teams, I mean. And I'm sure the owners weren't happy with it because they don't want to see their investment lose value. And statements like what Klinsman made are not great for the value and the reputation
1: of MLS. Yeah, exactly. And and it was interesting to me that Clint Smith, uh it it seemed like he knew his and I, I mean obviously he's not stupid, but he knew that his statements would be controversial. Uh saying things like I'm just being honest. Um yeah. It it's a little disingenuous to me because no one really ever says things and then follows with I'm just being honest, if honesty is the only reason they're saying it. There's usually another motive.
0: That's true. That's very true actually.
1: And so I don't want to read too much into what Clinsman said, uh, especially if we're going subtext and not text. Uh, but at the same time, like it was really I would mean, looking at Klinsman's comments, they were kinda of glossed over initially. Uh but it's easy to see why Don Garber would take like serious umbrage with that.
0: Yeah, and it was just so weird because, you know, as much as people on Twitter and MLS supporters like to troll and make fun of Garber and make fun of the league, like, Garber is such a like calm guy publicly. And it was like he just lost his shit is the way it came across. I haven't heard the phone call because obviously it's not, you know, posted on SoundCloud or anything, but... It just, the way it came across and the way reporters reported it, and I don't know how much of that is them trying to make a story out of it, it sounded like he just legitimately freaked out.
1: Yeah, and I think there are going to be a few instances, obviously, of of reporters trying to make stories, but this was pretty unanimous.
0: Yeah, and he, 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 then he turned it into the Landon thing, which was so petty.
1: Yeah, a little bit, but but Clintzman keeps bringing it up, and Landon brings it up, and now Don brings it up. It's just this weird, ugly cycle of everybody bringing it up that really should just move on. I mean, uh, it, it's, but it's everybody.
0: But it's just so like, oh, really? That's that's part of the conversation? And I almost would have taken what Garber said more seriously and less... Oh my God! If the Landon thing hadn't come into it, because once the Landon thing came in, it was like, oh, it's we're back to this conversation.
1: Yeah, and part of it might might have been, and I I clearly wasn't on the phone call, otherwise I could provide some actual uh, understanding. But 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 you know, maybe it was just something he was asked about. Maybe it came up naturally and not not as him like injecting himself into that situation. I'm not really certain.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. I could see a reporter asking him about that just because he was, he was probably just so hot and riled up. It was the perfect opportunity to bait him into an answer on that question.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, was,
0: he wasn't going to answer anything diplomatically.
1: I, and to be fair, it is relevant, right? Uh, whether Don, you know, whether Lana Donovan rather, sorry, uh, you know, was not called up because of some like MLS thing or you know, something like that. Uh, like there, there could be some relevance there. I'm not certain, but it's a thought. That's,
0: that's true, and you know he's he just freaked out, man. And and it's hard to make that comparison, like you said, and say, well, no, but this wouldn't happen in other leagues because there's not that same position as what Garber represents in other leagues. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I had I I love the Bundesliga, and I had to look it up on Wikipedia to find out who. Had a similar role. I've never even heard of the guy that does it for the Bundesliga. Like, it's just not a public position in other countries. Because e. it's it's not the, you know, the FA head. It's not Sunil Gulati's equivalent or anything. All the leagues are run by their own companies. So,
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and the
0: clubs are independent. So it's more of a oversight role than a representative role. It's so weird. MLS is weird, man.
1: Yeah, it is a little weird, isn't it? Yeah. <sighs> that's kind of how I feel about the whole thing. Uh, did we actually
0: talk about how we feel, or did we just <laughs> did we just say what he said?
1: I think that's talking about how we feel a little bit, but but clearly we'll have more thoughts on it. I mean, what's your big takeaway from this?
0: Um. Don't publicly say anything about MLS. <laughs> don't um, don't express your opinions
1: if you're in a position of power uh like like it's it's all part of this american soccer we're idea in... of being in it together and that's what you were going to say and i i cut you off because i'm awful and rude like that no because i'm predictable and you knew what i was going to say oh, yeah that, say maybe it. that too but
0: and part of that you wonder if that we're in it together holds us back as much as it helps you know, it, it helps in a way, but part of it, it it at the same time it hurts like Brian Strauss actually said the same thing. He said sometimes US soccer's biggest enemy is US soccer. Yeah, right. absolutely. And it's it's a fair point. I mean, the national team call-ups hurt the product in MLS because MLS doesn't want to work with their schedule. Apparently that's going to change starting next year.
1: Oh, is is uh-huh. that the next statement? Did I miss that?
0: Uh, Adrian Healy said either on Twitter or during uh one of the national team broadcasts the last two that he'd seen a broadcast schedule for next season and that uh breaks highlighted on the broadcast schedule matched up with qualifying weeks. Oh
1: that so, that, that that's good. Uh Even
0: late in the season breaks actually.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a step in the right direction. I think one thing we have to do as a league is uh you know, play more midweek games. Uh, once we do that, we'll, we'll be in a better position to take weeks off for uh, international breaks. But we yeah. also have to get more of our players involved with national teams because it's hard to take a break for you know, one or two players for each team on average.
0: Well, and I think a huge aspect with that will be the new CBA allowing us to be able to afford more players who are of a national team quality.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: See, you might see more teams with, like, a Jao Plata-type player who is a, na- a national team regular for a South American country.
1: Yeah, I mean, ideally. Uh,
0: I'm not going to see, like, Mascarano and those types. Like, Brazil and Argentina oh, no. anytime oh. soon.
1: I, I, and those, those players are clearly a cut above basically everybody in the world. Uh, yeah. Brazil, Argentina, Germany. Uh, Spain.
0: Don't say England, you're not allowed to say that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean I am I could say England. I mean, Jermaine Defoe didn't get a call up recently, so
0: Yeah, he's no Jack Wilshire
1: Yeah, well, no one's Jack Wilshire. <laughs> it's true The Yeah, n- no comment
0: Yeah But, I mean it's just a case of conflicting interests I think, and, and the best thing is everyone's making such a huge deal about it and just the way he is in terms of personality, I could see Jürgen Klinsmann just sitting at home, just laughing, reading it and laughing, and not caring.
1: Yeah. Uh, it uh, And that's the thing. Klinsmann's really hard for me to get a read on, uh, read it about on this. Uh, it's like, what does Klinsmann actually feel? I have no idea. But if he's actually speaking his mind, if he's, you know, kind of putting something out there to feed the Sharks a little bit, whether he's trying to stir up a little controversy, uh, whether he's trying to motivate players. Uh, they are just a lot of considerations.
0: Yeah, and too many sometimes, man. I don't know.
1: I will say that I think clensman was dead wrong about Bradley and Dempsey. Really? Uh, I, I don't think they were hurt by coming to MLS. They were hurt instead by like just not you know playing up to snuff no now Dempsey of course you know played pretty well uh had some face concerns you know all that
0: uh and he's been really good this season I mean he's been a lot better this season than he was last
1: and he's he's been absolutely one of the best players in the league yeah and, and so seeing that from him is is interesting because you know, he wasn't playing that well in England right he played okay. He played pretty well at Fulham. He
0: played really well at Fulham.
1: But at no point was he like a definitive top ten player in the league.
0: No, no. I mean, he scored a lot of goals, and I would say he was like a—he was the best player at Fulham the year that he left and went to Tottenham.
1: Yeah, and that's probably why he got the why why he got the big move, of course, and and all that.
0: And I mean, even even his last season with Tottenham, he wasn't—he didn't get a ton of. Uh, Premier League minutes but he played a lot in the uh, Europa League and he did really well in the Europa League.
1: Yeah, and I think that that bodes well say for Seattle and Champions League potentially. Yeah. Uh but it it
0: them play- no luck whatsoever.
1: Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> but but looking at like him playing well in Europa League doesn't necessarily translate to playing well with the national team, right?
0: No, that's true and and Michael Bradley, I think with all the
1: upheaval at
0: Toronto FC and having Ryan Nelson as your coach for th- three-quarters of a season, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised this season's been a wash for Michael Bradley. I think he'll be a lot better next year, depending on if they get the manager situation worked out
1: yeah. at TNT or not. Uh, absolutely. I don't think there's any question that, that he is a better player than he's shown. But by the same token, like I don't think his underperforming in the world cup was just down to like not being good for his club i think there were other like very serious considerations that should have been had about you know what position he was playing in and and things like that right
0: that's ver- that's true i mean he was played out of position a lot even in the honduras match the other night he was played out of position
1: yeah and against what? honduras we saw him you know look better when he came Deep to collect the ball. Yeah. And he was pretty good then. At the World Cup when he was trying to play a little more in the attacking third, not drop deep as much, he just he looked uncomfortable and his touch suffered and and I think he suffered a complete, you know, you know, destroyal of his confidence.
0: It's almost like Clemson Destruction, not
1: destroyal. Destroy.
0: It's almost like Clemsman because he's had success with other players and switching their position. It's like he thinks that he can
1: just switch anyone's position. Well, yeah. that and, Now and he's, he's playing. Jer- I mean. you know, he's playing Jermaine Jones at center back, like a player that looks better attacking, further up in the midfield. He's playing at center back. He switches his fullbacks around. He plays fullbacks in the midfield and midfielders in the you know in the fullback positions. He plays strikers you know deeper than they normally play or higher up than they normally play, and that's part of that's just going to be the case when you're developing a system with the national team.
0: But part of that, too, is it's almost like an arrogance thing, I would say.
1: Yeah, maybe. It's hard to really read too much into that.
0: Well, and part of, and a part of that, too, wow, we've said that a lot, like four times in a row. Yeah. But knowing Klinsmann's history before he was with the national team is that when he was at Bayern Munich, the, the players there said at the time, and they've said since, like, they didn't get, the feel that he had any idea what he was doing when it came to tactical coaching.
1: Yeah. And maybe we see that like I, he did roll out inverted fullbacks. That sounds tactically interesting. <laughs> and it's
0: just, and the player, I mean, the players at, at Byron said they made the decision early in the season that they, they were operating independent of what he told them, because if they listened to what he told them, the season would have been a disaster. And that season was a disaster for them anyways. They had a team that should have run away with the league, like they do every year, and they finished like third or fourth place this season that Klinsman was there.
1: It was one of the worst seasons they had in years. And as a result, the Americans got him, and now we uh, were the benefactors it's, of his wisdom.
0: Now we have Jermaine Jones playing center
1: back. Yeah, and he makes decisions like, okay, Jeff Cameron's taller and better in the air, so we'll put him in midfield against you know Belgium because Fellaini. And that's like, it seems like that's the extent of his decision making. Yeah. He gets this idea and he runs with it. Uh, And I think his comments are a symptom of that very behavior where he, he got this idea that, you know, that, that Bradley and uh, Dempsey were worse for coming to the league and he didn't really look back. Yeah. And
0: it's just like, it's stuck in his head. I see what you're saying.
1: No, it's worth say, like, worth pointing out that that Jermaine Jones said that that he encouraged him to come to MLS. Yeah, and, and it
0: might be a different case because Jones is kind of on the downslope of his career, and he was having trouble finding a club to sign him.
1: Yeah. So
0: I, I don't know. I guess it's case by case.
1: And I think it makes sense, and, and maybe Dempsey could have you know caught on another European team, and maybe Michael Bradley could have found a place in Europe to play. I, th- I actually don't think there's anything controversial about that. I think a number of teams would have been happy to have him.
0: Yeah, I think um, Bradley would have found a team a lot easier than, than Dempsey would
1: have. Yeah, I think that's fair.
0: Although, Although Dempsey probably could have gone back to another like mid-tier... Premier League team, and don't make a joke about Tottenham being a mid-tier Premier League team because I know it's coming already. But I'm talking like, a, like a, you know, like what Fulham were at the time that he left. Yeah, he could have gone back because we see, we there's plenty of players that do that all the time in that Premier League. They'll move up to a big club, they don't work out, they go back to a similar level club that they left.
1: I, I guess the question to ask then is whether, like a team like Seattle, is significantly worse. Than a mid table Premier League club?
0: Um I think over the I mean in terms of depth with a team and over the course of a season, yes, but I bet that their starting eleven could give a mid level Premier League starting eleven a hell of a match. Yeah. I don't think it would be like an absolute destruction like it would have been a couple years ago.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, and it hurts to say that something positive like that about Seattle. Uh it doesn't really hurt. It just kinda like stings a little. But I I think we'd be in the same conversation. Like, our best 11, like, probably would be competitive against, you know, some like Aston Villa or Fulham or Wigan or whatever, what have you. Yeah. (coughs) Excuse me. You're excused. Oh, thank you.
0: Well, and uh, another thing to discuss, since it happened within an hour of Don Garber's, you know, psychopathic episode or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Was that, Did you hear the story about this Rapids reporter?
1: Yeah, uh it's it's not the first time it's happened. Uh it's Chris Bianchi, right?
0: Yeah, I don't know if it was Bianchi or Bianchi.
1: Yeah, it's one of those. Uh Let's let's say Chris. Chris. Uh yeah, Rapids uh reporter for mlssoccer.com. The team pushed for him to be taken out off the beat. Because they
0: disagreed with his coverage.
1: Uh, yeah, and for me that that underlines one significant problems at Colorado Rapids and two significant problems, you know, with the whole MLS soccer dot com concept.
0: And and maybe not just the the MLS soccer dot com, but just like their coverage in general. Because they're so unreceptive to criticism.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd say that's generally the case. Although I think on a case by case basis, you'll find like plenty of the writers are and, and even editors like are, you know, involved and interested in that sort of discussion. Uh it's just some of them get a little touchy about it.
0: Well, I mean, they I understand why it's their job.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh that's a tricky game for journalists, I think, to do what they're asked to do. Um the problem, I think, is a conceptual one, not a not necessarily the execution.
0: Yeah, I mean, they put out some great content, but it, you wonder how much of that, especially after hearing stories like this guy getting fired, like how much of that is filtered.
1: Yeah, it, certainly some. Um, it took a few hours for them to get a Don Garber report on their on the site, uh, and. and get- I
0: would- I would wager that half the reason it took as long as it did, and the only reason you saw it is because there was so much outcry. Like, hey, you guys don't have anything to say about this?
1: Yeah, and that might be what what got the you know the stakeholders to like give on that. I'm not I'm not really sure like what their editorial process is. I do yeah. think like they're allowed some criticism. Uh, they obviously don't criticize too much, uh, and it's problematic. Uh, I don't think anyone would deny that ethically it's tricky. You'll
0: never see, or at least I've never seen, you'll never see them criticize ownership, like team ownership, unless it gets to a point like Chivas did. Like, even with Chivas, you didn't see any real criticism of them on the league site until the league bought the team.
1: Yeah, I'd say that's true.
0: and, And that's a problem. I mean, especially look at i mean colorado was a perfect example the guy that wrote for him for all intents and purposes like i've read the stuff that he's posted he's not a bad writer he's written yeah. some pretty good stuff he's been critical of the ownership of the team and he's been critical of pablo but he has every right to be critical of both of them because they have an absentee owner who literally could not care less about that team
1: i'd say that's probably true uh yeah, pa- I don't that, even know if he knows yeah, he owns him anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, and Pablo is not a good manager.
1: Oh, yeah, I, n- no doubt about that. So, he had an awful, awful, awful start to his career as a manager.
0: And what what was the guy supposed to say in that section? In that, well, oh, you know, things are looking up. Yeah. We've got two hot dogs coming to the stadium that no one is coming to next season. Yeah. I mean... And, and MLS, you know, they want to they want to tout this thing about look at how much our sports growing and look at how much we're investing in the league. And you can't say that on the one hand and then have ownership groups like Colorado and New England that could not care less as part of the league. Yeah, it's so hypocritical.
1: Um, yeah, I'd say it's not necessarily hypocritical because I'm sure they have those concerns privately. Uh, now, it's critical of the ownership. Groups there obviously that aren't doing what they need to do to grow, uh, but I, I don't think it's hypocritical or hypocritical rather uh, of the league as a whole who who probably would prefer to have those conversations in pu- like in private, right? Yeah,
0: but then they're gonna punish someone who has that conversation publicly.
1: Yeah, and and it's hard to say if like what exactly it was. Uh, that led to it.
0: I'm sure, yeah, and I'm sure that'll come out at some point.
1: Yeah, and, and we saw it a couple of years ago with Luis Bueno, who did uh, Chivas mm-hmm. USA reporting, uh, and, and did a good job, but, but you know, had you know problems, I guess, with uh, the editorial staff or something, and I, I don't know the details of it. Okay. And for me, maybe, like, if we knew more about that, we could be a little more critical, Uh
0: Maybe I'm just jumping to conclusions with my criticism.
1: Well, and it's easy to do, and it's and it's especially easy when there are definite problems that we can see with the way they run shop, basically.
0: And they and yeah, they just give you if you want to jump to conclusions, they give you a lot of ammunition to do so.
1: Yeah, and absolutely. That
0: them making those sort of decisions and doing things like that, and then being so tight-lipped and private about why it happened. Yeah, it's it, it's another you know facet of the no criticism policy.
1: Yeah, and it, it's hard for me because I wonder like if they if there was a completely separate entity like producing, you know, regular good MLS coverage uh for for every side and maybe I can point at SB Nation and say look, we're doing a great job and I think we are, but it's the only consistent outlet outside of mlssoccer.com where you can find content, right? right. You yeah. get things like Bleacher Report and Fan cited and okay, FanSided. Yeah, well, it's a r- complete joke, really. Uh, and Bleacher Report's stepping up their coverage, but it's not good. And you, but but there's no real other news outlet out there focusing coverage league wide.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's kind of what soccer gods is working towards with fusion i don't know if you've seen that yet or not but.
1: yeah i have and it and they're they're making good you know good progress but, but i don't see crazy. it as like significantly different from like say screamer from deadspin i mean obviously like the content is different
0: yeah uh, it's it's more similar to like a more trendy ESPN FC. yeah i of know what that reminds me of but I like it. I really like the content they've put out so far. And they hired some really good like MLS guys, if yeah. that makes sense.
1: Oh, absolutely. And and they're going to do great things, I think, Uh, supposing they, you know, stay above the water. Uh, but that's just it's we're not a league that people really care about covering right now.
0: Well, it's it's interesting to to see that too because there was a report that was tweeted out the other day and I read it that MLS supporters, fans, whatever you want to call us, in the U.S. are more, like, digital, you know, just synced in with everything digital and more content-oriented than any other league's fans in the country. It was like a survey that they did or something like that. Yeah. And MLS was miles ahead of a lot of the other leagues in the country.
1: Well, I'm not shocked. I mean, we typically am in the younger demographic uh, we probably hit eighteen to thirty five a lot better than most leagues, yeah,
0: and a part of that too is a is a lack of mainstream coverage
1: yeah and and that that could be an option as well, yeah,
0: and the Twitter machine, of course there's the twitter machine
1: oh yeah, uh, and to an extent, like in Salt lake City we're lucky uh because we have actually you know two actual newspapers uh. Like- you were going to say something? They cover the league. They Yeah, they cover the league. And and two, like, full-size, genuine newspapers. And we have a number of alternative publications that do well and do great stuff. Uh, but with the Salt Lake Tribune and, you know, Desert News, we have two companies actually, like, paying attention to these things.
0: And that's, that's well, that's helped, certainly, by a team being successful.
1: Yeah, and that that that's true but i think they've also historically shown like an interest in soccer coverage you know maybe because we're a small market we're not going to get a lot of things yeah Uh, we
0: have like an nfl team to rival every weekend
1: yeah exactly it just makes me realize we're kind of lucky in salt lake city we have a good team we have good coverage you know and and you know we've got this little blog that does some nonsense too
0: what are you talking about Denz's blog
1: no, I'm talking about our soapbox.
0: Oh, oh okay.
1: Thanks, well, so. though.
0: Wasn't 100 percent on that. Is that, I don't even know if Den still does this blog.
1: Uh, every now and then, it's not a regular thing.
0: Eden, we need a scandal. We need a scandal for the to get the hits going.
1: We should start a Scandal Makers episode about us. Scandal Makers. Yeah, from Arrested Development.
0: Yeah, let's do it.
1: We I could just have an Arrested S- Development S- watching party.
0: And just record it for the podcast and call that one
1: of the shows. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, before we
0: get off on a tangent, because that's kind of our thing. Uh,
1: good. This is good.
0: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just so. It's such a weird situation, and it's it's good almost that Garber had that kind of freak out because it puts so much focus on the PR for MLS. And MLS is just their attitude as a league, and as a as an office in general, I guess. And but man, that that reporter getting let go the same day—that could not have come at a worse time.
1: Yeah, that's it's unfortunate, certainly.
0: I, I mean, I'm not, i actually don't think it's unfortunate. I think it's awesome. Not awesome that he got let go, but it's awesome that it brings attention to that because, like we've been joking for a while, it's the state-run media thing. And we say it, like, in jest, but it's really not a joke. Like, we've had people on the show who didn't, you know, not specifics with names or anything, but there have been people in the past who have covered MLS, you know, independently and been, you know, not necessarily overly negative, but not, go team, and we're building a great thing here. And they basically get frozen out because it doesn't fit, like, the narrative that they want.
1: Uh, you know, I kind of wish that sometimes I had those negative things to write about Real Salt Lake, but we ju- we're just well run. It's it's really unfortunate for me as a person. It's, yeah, it's not actually unfortunate. I'm very happy about it.
0: It's not actually unfortunate.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if we if I had to write negative things about the club, then so be it. But. But they're outside of like tactics, performance, stuff like that. There's not a whole lot of criticism to go around. They do just genu- genuinely good work.
0: Yeah, and you weren't here, and I don't think you were running Soapbox pre Jason Christ, were you?
1: No, no, certainly not.
0: <laughs> You're like, no, I'm not a not a sadist.
1: Yeah, well, and I, I, you know, of course, Dan ran RSL Soapbox until 2011, or was it 2012? I believe 2012. I don't know. Uh, but but no, I had a college degree to obtain and do nothing with. So,
0: was that your seventh year of college or your
1: eighth year? Uh, seven. It only took me seven years. Thank you <laughs> for my uh, bachelor's degree of interdisciplinary <laughs> studies in university studies. I
0: was gonna say for your master's, and I was like, oh, for your bachelor's, that's right. Yeah. Awkward. Eh.
1: Eh. What can you do? You learned a lot. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Uh, you sounded very sure there. I'm a very assured person. Is that so? uh sure, oh hey, uh, I got a bunch of kazoos in the mail today. Oh, did you? Yeah, you know what I
0: was thinking today is we have to get those like approved because I don't think we're just gonna be able to walk in with dozens of kazoos.
1: you know if uh if we hand out kazoos to people beforehand. So they, everyone has, like, three or four.
0: Yeah, but do we... I don't think... Well, let's talk about this in private.
1: I look forward to talking about things in private with you, Jason.
0: I look forward to talking about things in private with me as well. Wait. So, back to what we were talking about.
1: Yeah, I think we we may have exhausted ourselves.
0: Yeah, I was so, like, just riled up. I thought I was going to be much more angry than I ended up being. Thanks it's, for calming me down, Matt.
1: It's my calming voice.
0: That must be it. But man, I was pissed today.
1: Oh, I don't blame you. I mean, it's it's an upsetting thing.
0: It's just, yeah.
1: It is and what it is.
0: <laughs> it is what it is. Plotitudes. And that's the problem. Is, like, the overriding atmosphere, attitude is oh, well, you know, it is what it is.
1: Yep, right. Yeah, we all want to make changes, and I think change will come over time, but it's not here now, so let's do what we can and not kill ourselves over it. Fair enough. Okay, should we end this shindig? Yeah, let's do it, and then we'll do a show tomorrow as well. Yeah, lucky listeners, after our Ebola outbreak and... uh,
0: yeah, assuming we're not all dead before tomorrow.
1: Yeah, well, here's hoping. Here's hoping. Yeah, we'll do a show tomorrow
0: and go from there. Cool.
1: cool. All right, well, let's let's end this podcast. Uh, any closing remarks? Uh, no,
0: nah, I got nothing.
1: I've got nothing, too. I'm going to head stop now, and then we can talk about kazoos for a little bit.
0: Do it. Thanks for joining us for our ramblings.
1: Hooray. People of the interwebs. Yeah, all, all seven of you. Yeah. Adios.